Children's neurology is all different. They're going to acquire more maturity in brain function and basic sensory motor processing at different speeds. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So we have a couple traditions, Andrew, with our podcasts. Well, I know a couple. Okay. But what are they? So one is every 10 episodes, we do an Ask Andrew Anything. Yeah. And you know, my favorite one ever was when we just did questions from kids. Oh, yeah. We should do that again. We should do that. We actually are getting close to, what do you call it, a century. A 100th? Yes. And what will it be, the next 100th? Well, what I'm hoping, we haven't quite figured this out. So dear listener, if we don't actually pull this off, well, we could pull it off with your help, but I'm hoping that we can do a live call-in show. Oh, we and, could do it on video and we could, you know, have a big party yeah, too. Yeah, do a big party. So right. I think it's number 400 that we're approaching. Wow. Yep. But I should mention that we also are doing the exploding ladder. And right. I know some of our listeners do not like this, but it is just for you and time management and efficiency, because you don't have to go back to episode one. You mean not me, but the listeners. The listeners don't have to go back to episode one and start at the very beginning because we've exploded that rung on the ladder. You just need to keep climbing up higher up. I see. So how many episodes are on the ladder at any given time? Like total number available? Yeah, a couple hundred. Okay, well, that's got to be enough. Because, exactly. I mean, you can't listen to more than that. And and we circle around and we talk about some of the same things. You know, we, we space it out, but there's some new information that comes up. And so this is the other tra- tradition that we started in 2020. And that was every 10 episodes on the fives, we give an opportunity for you and I or you and I and a guest to have a conversation about how to start homeschooling if that's what you want to do. We call them Homeschool 101 podcasts. Well, okay. And that's where we are today? That is where we are today. We don't have a guest. It's just you and me. Okay. And our so, I sound mean, tech in the room. Uh, you know, I'll start. Can people actually homeschool? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever hear that question? <laughs> no, not anymore. Yeah. You know, there are people who don't quite know where to begin to get information. But yep. I would say almost everyone has now an acquaintance or Mm -hmm. a friend or someone at their church or someone in their community who homeschools. Right, exactly. So it's it's become very common, almost ubiquitous, Mm -hmm. that everyone knows someone who homeschools. Exactly. So if you want to do it, that's probably where you would start. Yes. And we who have homeschooled, because you and I are in the have homeschooled camp, and those that are currently homeschooling, We're pretty emphatic about what we believe to be a really great way to homeschool. So I would say absolutely talk to your friend, 
but take it with a grain of salt because it may be that they're going to convince you to do something that will not work necessarily for your family. And I think that's one of the benefits of homeschooling. You really can customize the education for your children in your setting. Everybody, when they start a new thing, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of have to... I don't know, feel it out. Sure. I was going to say flounder a bit, yeah. but <laughs> well, you know, they true. have to feel out, see, okay, what are the options mm-hmm. and how do I uh, leverage my time? And, right. You know, I think there's basically two categories of people coming into homeschooling now. One is people who intended to homeschool from the time their children were young. Yep. And who knows why or how they got that idea. There's a lot, a lot. I'm meeting Mm -hmm. many people every day at convention. We're in the middle of convention season who are second generation. Yes, they were homeschooled. Either one or both of the parents were homeschooled. Mm -hmm. It's weird for me, Julie, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, someone will walk up and they'll say, oh, I was in your class when I was in high school. Wow. You know, and now they're, you know, 28 with three kids or something. (laughs) Okay. Yes. And then um, the others are we are planning to or have just left a school mm-hmm. or a school system. Right. And now we're trying to navigate this with children who could be, you know, actually into the teen years. Yep. Um, and so that it's new in that way. Right. And so you kind of look at those as a little bit different circumstances. Well, I like I like that, Andrew, and I think that's going to inform our conversation today. Let's look at kind of maybe age ranges and how to start homeschooling a preschool or primary student, that would probably fall into the camp of, yep, was planning to homeschool or have recently been convinced, but my kids have never been in school. So what do you recommend for those kids? Well, you know, preschool should mean what it means. Mm -hmm. It's before (laughs) you do school. So, you know, it Preschool, I think, is a fancy word for a daycare you hope has an enriching effect on the Mm. mind of the child. Mm -hmm. If you're not sending your child to a daycare for preschool, then that means you're just at home. Mm -hmm. So you would do all the normal things that everyone used to do with children at home before there was such a thing as preschool or daycare. And that is just live, just Mm -hmm. read storybooks to them and sing songs and play games and Give them quiet time every afternoon, whether they sleep or not. Mm -hmm. You're in your room for an hour. Go do whatever you can. That's a gem right there, Andrew. I don't know that parents know about the value of quiet time. My child is too old to take a nap. Oh, great. Now what do I do? Yeah. I I love what um, Jesse... Bauer, okay. Susan Weisbauer's mother. Oh, great. She she gave a talk years ago. I heard mm-hmm. this talk. She said, 10 things I did right. Because, you know, you go to a thing and well, 10 mm-hmm. things I messed up. Who cares? You know, but 10 things I did right. And one of them, she says, I never let my children know that just because they didn't sleep, they didn't need nap time. Mm-hmm. So they would always go into their room at the same time for a certain period of time. Even when they became teenagers. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, after a while you don't sleep, but what do you do? You have quiet time Mm -hmm. and you can read, you can draw, you can play, you can listen to music, Mm -hmm. whatever. But it gives mom a break Mm -hmm. too. Yep. And uh, so actually uh, one of my daughters does this really well. And she just uh, left after spending a couple weeks with us. Oh, okay, great. So I get to observe, you know, how Mm -hmm. the kids are growing and what she's doing. And 
it's really delightful for everyone in the house when the kids just go away for mm -hmm. an hour mm -hmm. and they're having quiet time and they actually kind of look forward to it. Oh, nice. Yep. And then after quiet time, they get a snack or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the older one doesn't sleep. He mm -hmm. just pretty much listens to audiobooks and mm -hmm. plays with Legos. But yep. it's quiet time. And then the younger one sleeps. And then the middle one, I don't know, he's he sometimes does or not. So that would be, you know, one really great thing to go is don't give up on nap time. Just change it to quiet, quiet time. time. Well, and Andrew, you mentioned listening to books and playing with Legos, listen to audiobooks. What about electronics during this time, as in the preschool years? Yeah, I think, you know, the all the research is in. Screens are not good. Mm -hmm. They're not good for circadian rhythms and sleep cycles. They are not good for uh, language and auditory development. Mm -hmm. The stuff that's available tends to be created to be addictive by nature, hmm. mm -hmm. uh, which is why a lot of the, you know, Silicon Valley execs don't let their kids have pads or pods oh, or, interesting. or sure. phones. But um, audiobooks are very different. They are not a screen per se, mm -hmm. although you might access your library through a screen. Sure. And, uh, you know, what's, what's great about kids who grow up with audiobooks is they just have this very enriched vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been fun to hang out with these grandsons who do listen to a lot of audiobooks because even the youngest, who's just three, he, he asked me the meaning of a word oh, interesting. the other day. And I thought, how could he possibly have heard this word? I can't mm -hmm. remember what it was, mm -hmm. but it was one. It's not a daily conversation word. Sure. But then I realized, oh, he heard that from the audiobook. Mm -hmm. And so kids are just constantly enriching their vocabulary. Right and imagination mm -hmm. through audiobooks. And of course, you know, we supplement with carefully selected movies and videos. Mm -hmm. But I would caution everyone against screen-based education software for young children. Mm -hmm. Things that are going to purport to teach things like reading and spelling on a screen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's people who've used it and it's been fine. But I think it creates a relationship with a screen that has a lot of potential to go sideways. Yeah. Okay. So preschool, just read, have them listen well, to Well, in books. my talk, Cultivating Language Arts, oh, great. Preschool okay. through High School, which yep. I think is one of the best overviews that I have ever done. Uh -huh. And I, I wish everyone would have access to it. Link in the show notes. Um I do talk about the relationship between listening to music mm -hmm. and language development. I love that, yeah. A lot of people don't understand language is tonal, mm -hmm. right? To discern uh, and differentiate words, you have to have good tonal sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is cultivated by music right, from right. the very youngest age. Yep. And I think one of the one of the weak points for a lot of people is they just kind of put on music randomly, whatever things might be fun right now, or they put on music as a distraction, or they put on music to create a more pleasant environment. But what children most benefit from is hearing the same smaller little piece of music with high repetition. Okay. And this is the same reason that young children, you know, watching your grandchildren, why they want to hear that same mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. You read it 
earlier today. Mm-hmm. You've read it a few times every day for a week, and they want to hear that again. Why? So what repetition does for children is it creates in them better attentiveness. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, they're anticipating something. We do this as well. Sure. You know, we notice, okay, something's coming. I believe I know what's coming. I think I remember what's coming. And now it's here. Yep. And isn't that exciting yep. that I knew what was happening? Yep. And so, you know, we kind of have that spark of joy that happens when <gasps> we have the recognition yep. of what we are expecting. And there it is. And so I remember, you know, very clearly my um, grandchildren, the two boys, had been listening to the 1812 Overture. Yes, with the cannons. With the cannons. Mm -hmm. And so they basically had this piece pretty well memorized. Like they knew when those cannons were going to go. Yep. And they just were so happy when that happened. Yep. And I don't know if she played the whole piece for them or a a piece of the piece. Sure. But I'm encouraging parents of young children to just take a few minutes of a great piece of music. Mm -hmm. You don't need to know a lot. You know, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, Handel, Vivaldi. That's all you need. You know, and stick with that to create the higher aesthetic appreciation. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with, you know, piano guys or whatever. But if you want to tune the mind and soul to the higher aesthetic artistic standard, mm-hmm. then use the great composers and then use a small section and play it again and again. Yep. So, you know, I explained that in a little more detail and then reading those same books mm-hmm. again and again. And, and right. then you'll notice a child will be done with a book. They they got it. They, yep. they don't have a desire to hear that again right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. They want to move probably up a little bit in sophistication. Right. And then you can supplement that, of course, with audiobooks. You know, some people have this question. What if my young child doesn't understand everything? Right. Good question. My answer is young children don't understand everything anyway. Right. (laughs) I mean, we don't censor the environment because Mm -hmm. they don't understand every conversation. We're more likely to worry they do understand Mm -hmm. things and spell out words in secret code so that they don't. You know, of course, that's how a lot of kids, you know, they learn to spell ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at, at that young age, very basic. And then, you know, as kids get a little bit older, I think one of the most important things for all homeschoolers and all parents, really, yep. to realize is that children's neurology is all different. Mm-hmm. Their genetics are different. They, they're going to acquire more maturity in brain function and basic sensory motor processing right. at different speeds. Yep. And the whole world just is pathologically disordered in that we have this idea that every kid, because they are a certain age, right. has to be doing a certain thing. Right. And if then they can't do that, then they're somehow behind. Right. And it's just it's so fundamentally disordering to a to a family and a mother's mind yep. and a relationship like oh no my 6 year old is not reading at level mm-hmm. well nobody knows what a 6 year old reading level is mm-hmm. because every 6 year old is at a different level sure. so the schools have you know maybe in a well meaning way have tried to create these standards and then said 
because you're a certain age, you should be in a certain grade. Because right. you're in a certain grade, you should have a certain level of skill yep. or ability. Or, and, and that's just never going to happen. Well, and I would just say to those families, those parents that are considering homeschooling that have never put their kids in school, you're probably going to get some feedback from the grandparents who ask the question, are your children falling behind? And your pat answer can be... Behind whom? <laughs> yes, with a whom. Yes. With a whom. It's an then, object sound, of a preposition. Yeah, yeah. and you're, you sound so sophisticated, and then they will trust you and stop bothering you. No, probably not. But the whole point is, is that you know your children best. You are not going to neglect their education. You're just going to provide what they need when they need it. And so when they're ready to start reading, it's almost like it's almost like flipping a switch. I taught first and second grade in a school for a couple years. And it was very much like that. It was just like flipping a switch and the kid one day couldn't read and the next day they could. What? And and of course, teaching first and second grade, I got the credit for teaching them to read, but no, it had nothing to do (laughs) with me. Well, there are better and worse ways to teach reading. And all the research is in. Even even the progressives have admitted now Mm -hmm. that you need a phonics-based approach, but they're not willing to call it phonics. Mm. They call it a science-based approach to reading. Oh, okay. That's well, the newest uh, euphemism for the traditional phonics instruction. Insert plug here for our primary primary arts of language. Yeah. It is a what's the word? Science-based. Yeah, it's phonics. I, I don't need. I don't even want to go there. But yeah, yeah. It is fun, you know, because I will meet people at convention who say, "Oh, we use this. My mm-hmm. kid loved it. Yeah, so well. Yeah, games and stickers and all kinds of things that will have that motivation. You yeah. know, maybe you not. know the other thing is, you know, I I was talking to this mom and she has a kid in third grade and mm-hmm. she said, "I just I feel like he's behind all mm-hmm. the other third graders." And I said, "How do you know what other third graders do?" Right. Well, she couldn't answer that question. I said, are you imagining what's happening in third grade classrooms Mm -hmm. based on when you were in third? When Mm -hmm. was the last time you were in an actual third grade classroom in an actual school? Right. Well, basically not for, you know, 30 years. So, okay, what are you imagining? You know, nobody can can even know. Right. You know, there's better schools and worse schools. There's schools that are very scientific, very Mm -hmm. focused on reading instruction and not. So anyway, that seems to be a big, you know, that's that's a big burden for parents. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have to teach this kid to read. And I think our experience reinforces that if you just teach and don't worry, all the information you give them, all the phonics, whatever, it's going to just one day click. Mm -hmm. And it may click at six. Mm -hmm. It may not click till eight or nine. That's right. And that's okay. That right. is perfectly okay. And you have to remember that it is extremely unlikely, if impossible, for a teacher in a school to teach your child to read better than you can. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They, they don't have more information than is available to a mom. They, don't, they certainly don't have as much quality time. They certainly don't have as much individual instruction opportunity. Oh, right. Sure. And the only possible thing that could be a benefit would be kind of a positive peer pressure. But Mm -hmm. that really doesn't, that really doesn't click on kids until they're much older, like nine, 10 years old. Right. So the danger of, of having a child in first or second grade and them not being ready to read is that you and they will start to think they're dumb or, Mm -hmm. you know, 
somehow failing. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. So that I think is the biggest thing. And of course, this is our year of talking about things like dyslexia and dysgraphia Mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah. You know, and then writing comes from that. Yep. You know, again, in the Cultivating Language Arts talk, I I point out that people say, what do you do for writing in first grade? Copy work. Copy work. Just letter formation. Yep. Basic spelling, do it in the air, do it through the ear and the yep. mouth, and and then just, you know, copying a certain number of words a day. You can use poetry, scripture, story. Mm-hmm. You know, when my kids were young, I used to write a story about them. Oh, fun. And give it to them and say, here, copy this today, you know. And <laughs> That's try really to, try fun. Try to make I love something that funny or yeah. silly. And, yeah, of course. Um, but kids don't actually even have to read well enough to read every word of the thing that they're copying right. to still gain benefit out of building the stamina and yep. all that. So, you know, there's music, there's there's life, just mm-hmm. do life. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are worried like, well, if I put my child in school for first grade, they'd be there from nine till three or longer. Earlier. You know, 8.30 to mm-hmm. 3.30. Or, yep. So... That means if I homeschool them, I have to somehow spend six hours a day, quote, doing school. No. It's very different. Absolutely yep. not. Most of classroom time is just logistics and mm-hmm. kid management and dealing with problems. And I mean, I've literally watched it take five minutes to get everyone a single piece of paper in a classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so much downtime. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I often am saying to new homeschooling parents, if you get one good hour of just learning and teaching and positive experience. Yep. You you're ahead of the game. Yep. You know, and and the rest of the time you can just do life and yep. get out of the house, especially, you know, it's spring. Get out in the parks, get to museums, mm-hmm. get to the zoo, buy the membership. Mm-hmm. You know, go go somewhere. While everybody else is in school, you can go to the zoo yes. and you know, it's not crowded. Yes. And, we call it car schooling, right? <laughs> There's some activities that you can do while you're out and about. Okay, let, let's let's transition now to an older student who may have been in school, and now you're going to bring them home. What are some of the things that you need to consider? Yeah, depending on the age and, sure. and the personality, one of the biggest transitions for the child is social experience. Mm-hmm. If you're 11 years old and you go to school and you've gone to school every day, you're used to being with a bunch of other kids generally, you know, hanging out with kids the same sex and the same age. Yeah. And so coming home, that leaves a little bit of a, Mm -hmm. you know, a a gap in the daily emotional, social experience of the child. Sure, sure. You know, fortunately, today, almost anywhere you live, unless you live way out in the boonies, you can find other homeschoolers yes. that have things like communities and co-ops and classes. And mm-hmm. and if not, start something. Yep. And yep. you don't need dozens and dozens of families to start a little group. Right. You, all you need is a few families. Yep. You say, let's get together on Name Your Day and a few hours, you know, Tuesday mornings or yep. whatever. And then we'll do some classes. Yep. And that makes a huge difference because then that child gets to have some time, but not all day, every day time right. with other children. Yep. The odds are that the age group is going to be much more mixed, yep. which is overall a much superior social environment, language environment. And so 
you know, I've taught classes where, you know, the age range was like eight to 12 years old mm -hmm. or nine to 13. Yep. And that's fine. They all get along and nobody cares about what grade you're in and whether, you know, you just find something that you want to teach. And maybe it's a foreign language. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's kind of one of those um, enrichment sure. ideas. And we have some friends at HSLDA. You know you've been homeschooling a long time, if you can say HSLDA really quickly. But HSLDA stands for Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and they do so much more than just basically protect your right to home education. Right, they children. help people network and connect. Yep, almost every state yes. has a state homeschool organization, and which HSLDA I'm, will link to that. And yeah. I'm sad because I'm meeting more and more homeschoolers that don't even know their state has yes, a state org. Yes, even in big places. I, well, I was talking to someone from North Carolina. I said, "Oh, I'm going to be at your state convention." Right, and they said. Well, what state convention? I said, well, you're, you know, North Carolina Home Educators Convention. It's a big deal in Winston-Salem. I didn't, I didn't know, know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we are seeing, I think, you know, a lot of people aren't aware of all the resources available. Right, right. And so the more we can work to help right. people. But, you know, everyone out there, if you are even thinking about it, that look for your state organization. They're going to have all the information from what are the legal mm -hmm. requirements to homeschool in each particular state because yep. it differs state to state to what are some great resources, yep. where are the local groups, mm -hmm. and how can you network. Yep. And also very important thing state legislatures do or state organizations do is they monitor legislation yep. so that if there's any little bit of any law that comes up that could affect homeschool freedoms and yes. parental rights, they'll yeah. be right on it, let you know, so you can contact yep. your... That might be a homeschool 201 conversation yeah, that we yeah, should yeah. have. So I would say, you know, look at replacing the social thing mm -hmm. with something that is probably, you know, not every day, but it's going to meet that need. Yep. Make new friends who are in the homeschool world Look for opportunities for a, a greater variety, you know, greater uh, age mm -hmm. integration, age yep. diversity activities. Yep. And then you can supplement that with other stuff. You know, if it's teenagers, you get speech and debate. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, drama and choir. I mean, you know, people worry about socialization, which is the dumbest thing to even think about because right now you meet most homeschoolers are far superior in their social skills because they spend a lot more time with kids of older and younger age right, and other right. people's parents and other adults and with you. Right. Well, we just have a few minutes left, but I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about my experience with homeschooling teens. Mm -hmm. And this is, now I homeschooled all the way through. I taught in a classroom and went, hmm, I think I'm going to homeschool my kids. Mm, kind of like what you were saying about screens and those that are professionally making screens. And so, but I shouldn't say, and so I should say, but if you are bringing your teen home for the first time, it that really needs to be a conversation with them. Yeah. They need absolutely. to be involved in deciding what their curriculum is. I think anytime that you are taking responsibility for your child's education, you need a plan. And that includes things as something as, you know, mundane as a schedule. Uh, weekly and daily, you need a curriculum. You also need support. We talked about that. And I'm just going to throw this out there right now. 
you mentioned state organizations. We have someone on our staff, a couple people on our staff that actually are a part of the homeschool Oklahoma state organization, and they are happy to provide that type of support, not just for people that are in Oklahoma, but if you are considering homeschooling and just want to talk to someone, call us. We'll put a link. We have our our phone numbers everywhere. Ubiquitous. Call us. We'll be happy to help you answer some of these questions and then an opportunity to evaluate. And I think that evaluating with your teen, what are some goals that we want to accomplish? You know, my middle son, is a musician, as you know. And that was a big thing that was important to him when he was in high school in particular. So we wrote into his curriculum, basically mastering and, you know, creating and mastering his own acoustic guitar program. Now, he also did the math and the writing and all these other things, but that was just really great for him to be able to say, yeah, this is what I want to do. And that was motivating. If you're bringing a teen home that is basically crossing their arms and saying, you ain't going to make me do nothing, mom. Well, there's a problem right there. Both well, and, you know, we could do that for another podcast sure. because there is a word people, pretty much everyone's heard it, unschooling. Oh, yes. And, you know, I have a particular way of thinking about the correct use of that word. Yes. Um, most people assume that it means something that it doesn't. So mm-hmm. we could actually probably do an episode on homeschool 101 next time unschooling. What is unschooling and right. when would it be right. useful or helpful? Yep. The other thing is I've been doing this season on the uh, convention circuit. Yes. A talk called Hacking High School. Yes. Rethinking the Teenagers. So yes. We should uh, kind of do a summary of that. Okay, great. Uh, until we have a nice studio recording available for everyone. Yes. But uh, yes, so so much anxiety mm-hmm. parents tend to cling to when they have teenagers or when their kids start to become teenagers. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, helping them yep. realize, you know, the things they think are the most important yep. may not actually be the most important. And because we're old. Yes. And all our kids are grown. Yes. We have a certain perspective yes. that I think, and I've been told by people, you completely got rid of all of my biggest worries yeah. in that talk end, you just did. Yeah, we're like, at the end of the journey. You changed my life. I was yeah. about to give up, and now I I see. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll work on that little by little. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you, Andrew. So um, anyone can call us. Yes. Whether they want to use any of our materials or not. Yep. If they just want to call and say, right. you know, I'm thinking about homeschooling and I live in wherever, we'll po- we'll just have someone point you in the right yeah, direction. Exactly. And I just want to say one more thing before we kind of wrap up this episode, which we probably should have done a couple minutes ago. And it's almost too late to see this. But if you have listened all the way to the end and you're thinking, no how, no way could I ever homeschool my children? The truth is, if you are a parent, you are still homeschooling your children. You may not just be able to do it full time. Yeah. And so everybody re- homeschools. Yep. yep. If you have children in your house, you are teaching them. Yes. It's just some people, you know, do it more than others, yes. I guess. Yes, sounds great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. 
or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing. Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.